Bienvenido, bienvenue, and welcome to Samaritan Conversations. In Luke's account of an event over 2,000 years ago, there's a story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who was attacked by bandits. The priest saw the attacked person and opted to pass the other way. A Levite, a religious leader, also opted to pass the other way. Then, according to Luke's version, a certain Samaritan, someone outside of the religious establishment who was marginalized, stopped and helped. Samaritan Conversations is a podcast focused on community and business leaders who live as that certain good Samaritan. Welcome to the show today, Jason Cosby of Awake Communities. Jason, uh, why don't you get us started with just a quick introduction of you and your background and tell us a little bit about Awake Communities. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm glad to both be included in the hosting process as well as the one of the guests on this morning or this afternoon. So I think that's cool. Um, all right. I guess it would start with uh, I, I actually grew up in Atlanta. I'm a native. I'm a native of Atlanta, which is rare and few between us now. And uh, so they call us Grady babies if you were born in downtown and raised in downtown. So I'm a Grady baby. I, I grew up in Atlanta and um, raised by my mom and my stepdad. So my parents were divorced when I was like three. I um, didn't go to church um, as a young a young guy or kid like ever. Um, my mom, when I got older, I guess my grandmother started to worry a little bit about it. So my mom would uh, take me every once in a while to church with them or something of that nature. But uh, I didn't really grow up in the church at all. And I really didn't have an inkling towards church until after I got married um, a second time. Uh, I, I was married right out of high school. Um, my wife and I did not get along whatsoever. And she went one way and me and my daughter went another way. And I raised my daughter. Um, uh, so we married, in, uh, we married Noel and I say we, my daughter and I married Noel in, uh, Oh, two, let's see, 1999, February 6, 1999. And then about three and a half years later, Noel and I had a crazy encounter, um, at church together and we both got saved in the same moment. And it wasn't a prayer moment where we raised our hand. It was something happened in the room. We felt the presence of the Lord. We looked at each other and both started weeping. We had a real and undisputable encounter with, with Jesus. And it was crazy. And then um, we started our pursuit like hard and heavy after the Lord serving in any way we could. Um, I immediately felt a calling into the ministry and the Lord, um, it, it, he knew that the only discipline I was going to get is if I actually went to college. So I went to college, uh, in my mid twenties, uh, locally here to Lutherice university over here in Lithonia, Georgia. And I did classes there and on, online. My wife and I, uh, had three kids right away. Um, and so we had Kara, Gavin and Guinevere Then we went out to, together. We did ministry things and then moved out to Texas for a few years. 
uh, to go to school at Christ for the Nations for a second degree for me, and then moved back to Georgia in 2010. No, I'm sorry, 2012. And it's where the Lord gave us a vision for Awake Coffee Community, uh, meeting in our home, uh, just worshiping and having a great time in our living room, sort of an in-between churches kind of a, a thing that we we had going on because we had lived away for a while and came back and just through a series of things didn't really fit anywhere with our Baptocostal theology. And so <laughs> I think we really couldn't find a healthy home to be in that people would accept us for being these kind of people and or sometimes being this kind of person, huh? You know, so we we just kind of didn't fit anywhere at the moment. And then uh, around our kitchen table, um, we were drinking coffee and loving on people, which is our hashtag, drink coffee, love people. And somebody spoke up and said, man, we should do this all the time. And like both Noel and I, hearts just lit up. And so we started, uh, we started actually in the front of our space here, which is where I'm at. I'm in my office in the front of our space here in a parking spot, we set up a tent at Taste of Conyers and gave away coffee for free. Didn't sell it, just gave away coffee, met people in the streets at a Taste of Conyers, like 3,000 people were out there. And we just loved on people, prayed for them, saw crazy encounters with people and just started living Jesus life out there in the streets. And, um, you know, through a series of things, we went, bought bought a couple of buildings and now we're in our largest building, um, which is where I met you, Sam. as a member of the co-working space. And then um, Samuel was introduced to me through that. So, and then um, that kind of brings us to where we are now with the co-working space, a coffee shop. I got a roastery bear behind me that we roast coffee um, as well as a, a community development organization that is built around 12 cultures where we, we uh, try to establish kingdom culture in the community that we work live in and love so much. So that's awake communities in a nutshell. So it's a very large mouthful, but it is a nutshell. Definitely. Wow. That's, uh, that's, uh, you know, Samuel, feel free to, to chime in. Uh, uh, but that's, a that's a, a lot that it's, a, it's a basic that I didn't know all these uh, stories. The fact that you and your wife get to accept Christ at the same time, like at the same moment, that's, yep. uh, you know, that's, I don't think I've ever heard that before where, you know, that just happens, but it, yeah, it does kind of speak to, yeah, speak to the power, right? It's like, we need both of you to, yep. to uh, come in and come at the same time in order to plant the seed and go out and, 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 and take this, this message. Um, one of the things I kind of, you know, liked and part of why I wanted to do this with both you and Samuel is just both of you have the same sort of heart towards that I could sense, right? Towards just helping people and, and being a part of the community and, and giving back and kind of demonstrating what it means to be Christian, not necessarily in the um, quote unquote, um, this is how thou shall do it textbook way, right? That some people have. It's more of um, let's just demonstrate and and show love and you know if you kind of at least the parts of the bible i've read um about jesus it seemed like that's what he did he just went around and hung out with people and just showed them love absolutely Um, and he didn't go around with a ton of rubrics right and say you're doing this wrong do this um and so you know i'm kind of thankful for that because i probably couldn't follow all the rules 
personally. But, yeah, I didn't do a very good job of that. So that's that's very true. And I think um, Noel and I live by this uh, thing we heard a long time ago. Uh, and we think it's accredited to St. Francis of Assisi. Don't know that he was the first person to actually say it. But it's um, so it goes something like uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. <laughs> so we live by that, like very much live by that. Wow. So and what part of I'm kind of curious now, what part of Texas were you were you at for those? Uh, and and how, how long? Oh, okay. We were, we were in South Dallas. We lived in the Bishop Arts, just south of the Bishop Arts, off of Keast Boulevard. For listeners, um, Christ for the Nations is in the V. So as the 35 comes down, it splits, and you have a 35 and 35E. And when that split happens, Christ for the Nation owns all of that land in that major South split. And so they have a hotels and apartment complexes and uh, institute buildings and huge campus. Uh, ministries and all kinds of awesome things. And there's age groups, the entire gamut. I mean, of families, they're one of the only colleges that we've ever seen that has family ministry where your whole family goes to school together. So that was so cool to see. And that's really what, that's really what launched our hearts for Christ for the nations is we have a heart for missions, but we have a heart for missions in our backyard. We don't have a, you know, not saying we don't have a calling to go overseas or anything, but we knew that, what the Lord told us was, is how can you go out of seas when you have your own family that don't even know who I am? And so why would you leave them behind and go and save someone in, you know, Costa Rica, South America, Central or, you know, Africa or whatever it is. And yet your own dad doesn't even know who Jesus is, you know? So. Yeah. And one of the things I was going to come back to is you kind of mentioned, um, you know, not growing up in the church. And so I'm kind of curious as you, And you kind of went with your mom based on your grandma, but just uh, if you could recall, like what was your perception of church people if you ha- didn't have it in the in the house, right? And yeah. you know how did that perception sort of evolve if it has revolved, evolved or if it's you know I've always been an open, very in very inter- uh, very friendly person, so I never really had a a bad idea or a, a skewed concept of church whatsoever. Um, gotcha. It wasn't until later, when I got older, that I started to uh, probably after I, you know, after being married and then divorced and trying to understand the Lord through all of that, not knowing God and not knowing he was intricate in my life and doing all these other things in my life. But, you know, I didn't know that stuff was going on then. So that's when I caught, I started going, well, am I just a bad guy? Am I going to hell? Is this a concept that I'm even worried about? You know? So I kind of went through those processes in my late teens, basically. But when gotcha. I went to church, you know, I never really had a skewed way of church. I always had a good time. I entered, you know, I was fun with people. Uh, I'm a, I'm a singer and a, a guitar picker. And so I like to play and stuff like that. And so music was always kind of fun and stuff like that. And so, I, you know, I've always kind of participated in those types of things. We didn't really have youth groups or youth worship and stuff like we do nowadays or anything, but you know, it was, I kind of got along with everybody. I was a pretty easygoing person. Yeah. So 
you kind of, uh, let's kind of just dive a little deeper into something else you mentioned, like how you started with just taste of Conyers and just serving free coffee to where you are today, right? I mean, that's probably uh, every entrepreneur I know, there's a whole lot in between <laughs> those. So just sort of kind of walk walk us through a little bit some of that journey and just, um, you know, kind of how you've been led and 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 sort of you know what's transpired since then sure so we just we we had we had really a few things that were very important to us we didn't want to outgrow our britches and so we did very small intricate moves um that would say if we didn't lose something we weren't going to lose our house you know so we just we did very small intricate moves and we always kept people as the focus coffee was never the focus coffee's still not the focus people are the focus um, as well as we, uh, Noel and I are, are uh, we're just, we're people, people. We love being with people, having conversations and stuff like that. So we stewarded relationships really well, I think. And then through the relationship process of stewarding, we learned how to steward finances. And we learned that each time the Lord would give us a small seed, we would be, uh, we would take time to go into the next seed, if that makes sense. And so um, we just kind of do, we did these things just a little bit out of time and a little bit out of time, stewarding what he gave us and it just allowed the thing to grow after that. So Samuel, did you have something you were going to ask a second ago? Oh yeah. I, I was going to say basically the part about where you mentioned um, once you accepted Christ, you didn't, go away out of overseas. Um, I found that interesting because most people I know when they've had an experience, they want to leave and tell other people about Christ, but those other people are never family. It's never here in the U.S. It's somewhere across the world. Um, that, was, that was interesting because I usually don't hear that. So how, how did that come about um, when you accepted Christ that you looked around and you saw that you're family needed Christ, but you didn't say, oh, there's enough church people here. Let me go somewhere where those other people really need me. Well, we didn't see church people doing it. Um, we didn't see mm-hmm. anybody talking to anybody about anything. And every every conversation Noel and I would get into it was there were these opportunities. We felt Holy Spirit say, okay, now do this. And I think we just, we were, we were old enough to learn how to turn to tune our ears to God, if that makes sense. And we weren't religioned enough to drown him out with daily stuff, if that makes sense. And so our Noel and I, I mean, we made mistakes. We, you know, there were many times where we were like, we really sense the Lord saying this. We're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's like, oh, okay, we missed that one, but you know, it's worth the try. I think Noel and I were just ready to risk it, which I think lends to the ear of saying, we heard the Lord say, we heard the Lord say to us, what good is all of this knowledge that I've given you, wisdom and understanding, and yet your family doesn't even know who I am. So are you willing to go to your family? If, if I never send you anywhere else, if I never do anything else, if I send you back to Conyers, is that okay? So my wife and I were on this mountaintop in Durango, Colorado on vacation. We were camping with our um, my oldest daughter 
having a good time relaxing. And we went and visited this church uh, there in Durango that was, they were walking everywhere, uh, doing prayer walks and all kinds of cool stuff in like Durango, Colorado, which is like hippie central. And, you know, half the, half the, half the people there lived in tents or motorhomes and <laughs> crazy. <laughs> they were river people and just really cool kind of hippie like folks and everything. And so, and Noel and I were just watching this church do all these things and found out that this church had funded a coffee shop in Durango and, and there was three of them. And he, and the Lord told us like, if I can do this here, can you imagine what I can do in Conyers? And then Noel just like froze. And like for two hours, she sat in a chair at the top of this mountain, staring out over these other mountains. And she tells me that basically the faces of our family were just flipping like index cards in her mind. And so, um, she was like, I think we're going back to Conyers. And I was like, yeah, I know the Lord told me like three months ago, but I wasn't going to say anything about that. Thing. <laughs> so, Cause she was dead set on not going back to Conyers, but then, you know, so, but when the Lord told her that it had to be God, there was no way I was going to convince her to go back to Conyers. That's, that would be brutal. But, uh, you know, so that's really what happened. It was really an encounter with him. And, and because of it, we had, um, we've really led a lot of our family, a lot of our family to salvation because of that. It, just seeing the express change in me, like mm. wrecked my dad um, and really turned my dad and I's relationship just a uh, whole 360. And my mom and my, um, my brothers, you know, all these guys that just, they were like, you know, they're, what are you doing? You're going out and joining a cult in Texas and what's this crap about? And, so, you know, it was, we went through a plethora, but you know, that was kind of the thing is going back to our family. And I think that's, that's the thing that happened in a wake is, you know, after our family, we had really shared the gospel and began to live out the gospel in our family, just setting up the tent out here in front was just evident. It was like the next thing to do. You know, I, I worked as a, um, I came back and didn't go back into the ministry. Uh, uh, I mean, I came back and went into the ministry, then I left the ministry. Um, and I just, I got a job working at the newspaper. And I just worked a, you know, a nine to five job and uh, Noel was at home with the kids and raising up our teenagers and working with them. And then all of a sudden we get an adoption happens and we, we get Obed uh, from Michigan and uh, he's awesome and amazing. But that, that kind of put Noel back at home with a brand new baby again. And, you know, she was, you know, loving it and then Awake was born and like all this process started happening and it really wasn't about business for us, although the Lord provided everything and we sold coffee and we made money and we saved money and we stewarded money. It just it just evolved from people, though. Everything we've ever done has evolved from people. Wow. Um, I kind of like the, um, you know, the part where you talked about just the change in you kind of got your family to want to find out a little bit more. And because um, I think sometimes it's, um, we don't, we don't emphasize that, that there should be a, a change in us. It's, there yeah. should be a difference that you, you don't have to go preach it. Like you said, uh, using no. a quote from, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, St. Francis, right. It's not right. You preach it without words and that's yeah, sometimes a better just, preaching. Our life had totally changed. I mean, it literally totally changed. We were we were night and day. We were not the same. You know, we were day and we were bright and we were living a bright life. 
you know, and my family could tell. I mean, I just remember was like, God, you're so weird. You're so different because this doesn't feel right. And so he was like, he went like five years without talking to me, like three and a half years. And now I really only talk to him like once every couple of years that, you know, maybe once a year, twice a year, maybe my, my, my whole brother, my full brother, same mother, same dad. And then my two half brothers, I talk to them more regular than I talk to him probably. I mean, and it's the thing of life, you know, I'm 43 yeah. years old. He's 40 years old. My brothers are 35, 30, mid thirties, I think early thirties. And Jesse is late twenties. You know, So it's like, we all have our own lives. And so it's already difficult. And we all live right here in Georgia. I mean, it, I think Joe probably calls me more than anybody else. My little middle, my middle brother. Um, so he does a really good job of keeping us all together, at least updated on stuff. That's kind of neat. Yeah. But yeah, right. for the people just to see you live a different life, that, that spoke volumes over time. Now it didn't happen. You know, it's like, Oh, you're different. Yay. Jason. Like, just like that. It was like, when's this other foot going to drop? When going to go, <laughs> When are you going to go back to being a pothead again and forgetting people's birthdays and stuff? What? Come on. You know, so. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and uh, Samuel, did you have anything or? Uh, the, the other thing I think is very significant is the fact that you started out giving coffee away. And I think Sam was going to start on that a little bit when he started talking about businesses. Um, as business owners, we know we're in business to make money. Um, where did you get the idea? And I think I might know the answer, but I want to hear from you. Um, giving something away, uh, usually there's a thought in business that if you give it away first, people won't appreciate it and they won't come back to um, actually buy it. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. H how did you even get that idea? Hey, we're, we're going to put a tent out here and just give it away. That was yeah, yeah, they thought we were crazy. There was a lot of people that told us you're 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 not going to last. Conyers has had two coffee shops; they've both failed in two years. It's just not going to work. You know, this person. Did you meet this person? You know, this person. They tried. It didn't work. I said, "Well, that's good. We're not trying to build a coffee shop. We're trying to change the culture that we live in." And so, that's where we live, and that's what we do. And we bought. You know, um, Noel and I had a mentality that uh, that the Lord had. And when he, when he talked about buying the land, you either, you go into a land and you buy the land. It's your land. This is the land that he sent us to. It's where he told us to go. And so you buy the field, you know, mentality. And so we came in here um, with a few people in my living room. Noel and I discovered gems in Conyers, just beautiful, amazing people in Conyers. And through that process, we set up a tent and we discovered more gems in Conyers. And so we just gave everything we had to buying the field. And we have that conversation with every one of our staff members that ever come on staff here and say, Hope, and they're, they're going to listen to this and be like, yes, the pastor's table at Cracker Barrel, you know, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, where we said, okay, here's where we go. Are you ready to buy the field? Because if you're going to buy this field, when there ain't no money to pay you, what are you going to do? Are you going to go get a job? Are, are you going to, you know, are you still going to be here? You know, if there's, if we make tons of money and you want to start your own shop somewhere, have you bought the field here? So that, you know, you, you know, so we just have those conversations. That's what brings people back. It's the authenticity of who we are. I give you a cup of coffee, but as I'm handing you that cup of coffee, here's a little branding thing for you. As I give you that cup of coffee, 
I'm having this conversation with you that you will never forget. You'll never forget it. And if, and in that moment, if the Lord gives me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom on somebody, I have no fear in just going, here's what I think the Lord just said to me about you is, does that hit somewhere? Let's pray just like that and just pray. Yeah. So So, I think uh, that's probably what did it. Uh, The coffee was horrible. Let me be really honest with you. The coffee we gave away is the worst coffee I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> Especially now that I roast coffee and I know what good coffee is supposed to taste like. That stuff is trash. I won't even tell you where we got it from. It was so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel so bad about that coffee, that stuff we gave away. Uh, there's still people that talk about it though. That first, that first coffee that they got, they absolutely loved it. Oh, it's the worst coffee I've ever tasted. I'll never, I'll never forget it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So you can build product. You can always build a product, but your product is always going to, your, your finances always be based on that product. But if you can build people, you you could, I could sell anything if I have good people. (laughs) And that's that counterculture thing that people will keep coming back for. It doesn't matter what the product is. If it does something and gives them life and gives them light, they'll keep coming back for it. Absolutely. Big life, big light. That's what we say. Big life, big light. So, um, talk, so we, the name of this is Samaritan conversation. So I guess, could you kind of relate, um, in your own life or, or, you know, any other general thoughts about, you know, the whole concept of the good Samaritan to you, or just in terms of being, you know, the Samaritan or, or kind of providing comfort to the Samaritan, just anything around, how, how does that story appeal to you or anything about the Samaritan story in the Bible appeal to you? Um, I think that the thing that I believe speaks to me the most about the Samaritan story is the mindset of the Samaritan who stopped um, was it seemed like just the right thing to do. And I think that that was the concept, the idea, if you understand the Samaritan people and their thought process, it, they were, they were very logical and someone's hurting. They need help. I'm just going to stop and I'm going to help, you know? Um, and it didn't matter what the concept or the problem or the issue, it could have been a flat tire, you know, or a broken wheel, or it could have been anything, but a person even, in that concept, the good Samaritan, and that's what we're talking about, correct? That, mm-hmm. that story of the good Samaritan. That idea is that he was a he was walking by and sees this hurt and broken person, and and there, you know, with all religion aside and all concepts aside and everything aside, there was a hurting person, and uh, I, I relate to that very well. To think that uh, and to say that that's that's been the that's been a, a strong heart at awake all, you know, all of our lives. We feel like, we feel like if somebody can walk into a business place of business or what they think is a business or anything, or to our organization, or they spend time with us or whatever it is, if I can get them to lift their heads for a moment, to stop grazing on the field and stop just working themselves to death or, you know, and they never look up. Um, I think I, I remember being one of the first things we ever taught our staff was, was look, your whole job here is that when somebody walks in that door, let's get them to lift their head for a moment 
just even if all it does is remind them, wait, how did I get here? How did I get to this place where, huh? The lost sheep got lost because it grazed and grazed and grazed and didn't stop grazing and it drifts off away from everything. And so they, they just get, they get kind of out and separated away from each other. And then they lift up their head and they go, wait, where am I? How did I get to this place? I don't understand how I got here. And that happened over and over and over at when Awake first opened its doors. When we were away from the tent and we opened our doors, people would walk in and they would go, what did I just walk into? Is this a coffee shop? Y'all have coffee here? Yes, that's the coffee maker. I'm a barista. You know, it was like, <laughs> it didn't make sense that people would go, where did I just, how did I get here? You know, but that's yeah. the Lord just did that over and over again. And I think that's the idea of what was happening with the Samaritans. He stumbled upon something. He's like, why hasn't anybody helped this guy? This is a busy road. I know yeah. people come through here. So I'm just going to lift his head and let me see what happens. You know, Samaritans were religious. They were, they weren't, they were barely a sect separated from Judaism. They weren't that much different from Judaism. They were just very logical in their thinking and they didn't believe in a, a hands-on deity God. So, but they still had good works as their mentality and they thought they could achieve anything they wanted to just by doing good works. And so the Samaritan was still a good works mentality. They still had the thinking that was necessary for them to think that they could love God by action, you know, and, and, and which is not wrong. I mean, you do love God by action, but yeah. You know, so I think that's where I kind of connect with them the most is that I just, like I said, I, I, I preach the gospel at all times of my life as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And I think that's what was evident with him. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I think we all are very busy. It's one of the reasons why I like that story is because we, you know, I think we kind of, if you, for some of us who grew up in the church, when you hear that story, there's a lot of condemnation on the people who didn't stop, right? And they right. happen to be the more religious people who <laughs> opted not sure. to stop. But, you know, we all are in our lives pretty busy. And there are times yeah. where you might be too busy to look. You might not even notice. So you may not even notice the coffee shop you just happen to walk into, right? And I think there are a lot of times where we kind of act the same way where we might be too busy to just pay attention or, you know, you want to go, you know, I'm rushing to drop someone off or I'm rushing to do the next thing. So, you know, half the time you don't even recognize what was right in front of you. Exactly. You're just, you're just running. And so um, the, the story, that person, that Samaritan basically being able to pause and say, you know, that person must have had some other things to do as well, right? There's a reason that Samaritan was walking that or riding or, you know, on the horse in that, on that busy road, they were going somewhere, um, but still felt that they had to stop and help this person. And I think that's what we, we all need to try to do more of instead of being so busy. That we yeah. And that, that reminds me, um, when you mentioned we're so busy, I actually have a Samaritan story where I was very busy I was rushing to the bank off of 138 and had to get back. And it was last year when school was still in, had to get back to get the kids. And on my way, I saw this older woman sitting on the curb in front of a subdivision right off of uh, 
138 before you get to Tucker Mill. And I was like, oh, that's a large subdivision. It's really nice. Those people will be able to check her out and see how she's doing. I mean, she was nicely dressed. She's just sitting on the curb. And when I came back, she was still there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'll be 10 minutes late putting my kids up. I can't stop. She was crying. So I just stopped over and I was like, hey, what's going on? She's like, I, I, I don't know. I was like, are you hurt? I'm starting getting nervous because she's crying. So she gets in the car and she says, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I came oh, from. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so in trouble because she don't know where she is. Somebody could have stolen something from her. And only thing people are going to see is this black guy picking up an older <clears> white <throat> woman and I'm guilty. So <laughs> I told her, hey, do you, I need to take you by the police station so that we can find where you live. She's like, no, no, no. I just, I don't want the police involved. And I was like, okay, there's a fire station. So I stopped by the fire station and they give me the third degree. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's a criminal. So I give them my name, my phone number and everything. And so then they start talking to her. And then eventually they realize I, I, I am truly the Samaritan. But the part of the story is interesting is three days later, I was sitting with some older um, African-American women and I was telling her, hey, because we're all we're from Conyers. I said, you know, I, I saw this older white woman and she was on the side and nobody in the subdivision stopped. And this lady, she started shaking, getting all nervous. She's like, I'm so afraid because you, you really could have gone to jail for that. I was like, for what? She's like, <laughs> you're a bl young black man. You don't know what she, why she was there. Maybe somebody had dumped her off, done something like that. And this lady was physically upset and nervous for me. So I told her, you know, I have a mother almost the same age as that woman. And if my mother was sitting there on the side of the road, I would want anyone to come pick her up. And I told her, it doesn't matter what color they are. I told her I knew I could have gotten in trouble, but that didn't matter to me. As a person who says they love and follow Jesus, that's what he would have done. I mean, that, and I brought up the story, Good Samaritan. And she reluctantly said, okay. And now we're both from Conyers. And the lady who was on the side of the road is from Conyers. So my thing is, I, I, I do understand, even in our current climate, where people, they, they go with what's physically in their mind and what's traditionally might be the case. When in a Good Samaritan story, like Jason was saying, we're really called to be people persons. It doesn't matter what their color is, what their background is. If we can do that, I think we can make strides because the, the people that are going to have true peace are those who look at someone as a person created by God, no matter what their color, their religion, their creed. And we show them the love of God, just like Jesus did. I mean, and I almost didn't stop, but what caught me at the last minute, I actually backed up. The spirit was like, that's a spirit of that person was created by God too. It doesn't matter why she's there. Right. So I think that's one, one thing that a lot of us need to take a second look at when I'm looking at someone hurting or I'm looking at a situation today. Am I looking at them as a sister or brother? doesn't matter what color they are and making my decisions based on that? Or am I looking at it from the lens of traditional, whether it's hate or racism? Um, and I think that's what the story of uh, the Samaritan really is about. Yep. Humanity yeah. first. Yeah.
And who knows, you could be entertaining angels, right? According to scripture, you never know. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've had those moments as well through Awake. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I wish the world had more of that where we just, uh, you know, we look at people first and and just show love because I think the world would be so much better if you, if in your mind you could just pause and see the, the similarities we all right. share, not the differences. We have a thing that we do at Awake, um, which I'd be remiss if I didn't tell everybody about this, but and we have an agreement with some police officer friends of ours that do this, but uh, as well as a couple of people through the churches, they come by and get some. We have these things called share a cup cards. Uh, share a cup cards, which are really cool, um, are a way for people to give to those that might be in need or have an encounter with someone who might need help. Um, they, we know that those cards are only given uh, to people and, and from, by people that need help, if that makes sense. And so when someone comes in with a, a share cup card, it's basically a free hot chocolate, a free tea or a free coffee, small coffee, small tea or free hot, small hot chocolate. And when somebody comes in with that, we have a book and we have a, a, a community initiatives program where we, um, begin to engage a person is, Hey, how'd you get this card? Do you have a need in your life? You know, in some way, shape or form hmm. without them feeling like we're trying to pry or anything like that. I mean, it, sometimes it's just somebody who just needed somebody to say hello to them. You know, they just needed conversation for a change. But we know that when that card comes in, it's imperative to know that that person was given that card by someone. And so the, we have some Conyers guys that the uh, police officers will sign the back of it so that we know it's Sergeant so-and-so or, or whatever from the police department. Or um, we have some ministers that'll give it to someone who might just have a need or something. So we, we have people all the time find us via that card. And so we give them a cup of coffee and in exchange for that cup of coffee, we just ask them, do you have any issues? Is there any problems? Is there anything that we can do for you? And we have a, we have this huge book filled with services and uh, not-for-profits and all these different things here in, in our city and around our city that might be able to help people. And Alexandra, uh, which is our, our, pa- our staff pastor, she actually uh, runs that uh, portion of it and helps people all the time. Um, and sometimes it's just a conversation. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's, you know, gas card to get back to where they're going or, you know, things of that nature. So it just depends. But it, that card actually sponsors the help that we can do as well. So like just average person come in and say, I want to buy 50 of those cards. They're a buck a piece. And that $50 goes right to Alexandra. We don't even, we don't take the card cost or anything like that out of it or anything like that. So. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. And so, so you um, too can be a good Samaritan. That's where I was going to ask next uh, is, uh, <laughs> is there a way to go? pay for those on the website yeah, or something to, so no go to the you have to come to the coffee bar because we want to give you hard cards and so right. uh, we right. have a stack of cards behind the coffee bar and you can get them and you can just pay for them and we'll give them out or uh you can you can pay for them and take a stack with you and you know whatever however you want to do it yeah but we want to see who we give them to and then and then we tell them all right you're buying these cards so if you sign the back of it, it it could be somebody that you encounter somewhere or something like that we'll know that by this card so gotcha 